You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome to the Tinderbox. We are the podcast for Matchsticks and Gasoline, the Calgary Flames website for SB Nation. Mark, Michael, Matty, Gordy here today in a full house after a gigantic Flames win over the Toronto Maple Leafs last night, 5-2. to two. Uh, This is two games in a row now. The Flames have taken down teams that are allegedly better than them and higher than them in the standings. But uh, we'll start with Toronto, then we'll hop into Vegas. 5-2 uh, last night. Uh, one nothing. Toronto jumps out ahead, and it looked like uh, maybe this is going to be kind of dicey. Manjapani gets that goal right back. Then the Flames get what three goals in four minutes in a span where they played really well. Then Toronto for like five minutes took that game over, and it looked like it was getting hairy. But uh, Calgary holds on. They win five to two. Uh, Maddie, your impressions last night of uh, what was a fairly hard fought game that seemed to get some negative reactions afterwards, even though it was a win. Yeah, I mean they're not always going to be pretty. And I do think a marker of a good team is being able to just gut it out for a win against a a very good team. Like Toronto is very good. Um, So I'm, I'm not too fussed about it. Uh, It's a good win in my book. Uh, Gordy, your thoughts. I, I going back on like, it looked like I thought Calgary played really well. Well, not really well. They hung in for a stretch where Toronto really put it to the Flames, and I think that was probably one of the keys to them coming out on top last night. Yeah, the first period is not great. They were kind of on their heels, and, I mean, we saw the hit that probably changed a bit of momentum, but I think the Flames have had a couple of games this year where they're the one putting 40-plus shots on an opponent and losing. I know that's how they lost the season opener in Edmonton. And honestly, it, it didn't feel too much like Toronto had as many shots as they allegedly did. I think a lot of them were kind of rebounds thrown at the nets. Um, if, if I had one criticism, I think it would be how bad the power play looked in that first period. I think that could have really opened the game up early for the Flames, um, but they they really looked quite poor until the Shillington goal in the second period. And then on the other side of that, though, I thought they did a pretty good job at holding the top power play in the league to looking just as poor as they did quite honestly I didn't think Toronto had all that good of a power play and I mean that's on the penalty killers yeah and you mentioned that the PK that's now 20 for 20 at home uh, on the penalty kill and last night Michael holding Toronto going 0 for 3 with that high powered offense uh, Markstrom stops 46 of 48 that he saw he had a busy night um, all in all I think still minus a few hiccups not a bad game for the Flames now yeah, I thought it was a really um, strong showing, especially for Markstrom. I think, uh, like Gordy kind of said, yes, they had 48 shots, but I don't think they had that difficulty level that like we've seen a lot of games. Like Markstrom still did make a number of very good saves, but it was kind of one of those nights where it felt like they were kind of just shooting from everywhere there. When you looked at the Leafs heat map after the game, it was kind of all over the place. It wasn't really too centered in the slot much more than like you'd see in a normal game. So I thought that was pretty good. Um, yeah, the first period, it was pretty disappointing to see how sluggish the power play was. Like, they, I think about three and a half power plays roughly in the first, and they still gave up 18 shots against. So that's definitely not a recipe for success. But I think 
the one thing we need to see going forward. I think it's time to get Oliver Shillington back on the top unit. He just he's got that ability to move the puck with speed at the same time and just also make plays at the blue line that I love Rasmus Anderson, but I just don't think he has that little bit of jump that Shillington has right now. And I think it's I think at the very least it's time to take a look because just with one more guy in that top unit that can have that puck handling ability, I think they'd be taking off even more than they did earlier in the year. Yeah, if you had put that top unit as Gaudreau, Lindholm, Kachuk, um, it's still going to be Monahan because he can sit in the slot and score. And Shillington, that's a pretty decent power play to start. And you mentioned Shillington, watching him skate when he picks the puck up and comes out of that zone. He's flying like Gaudreau coming up the ice. It's nice to see. And he's he's pretty good. He's got good hands. So I, I don't have a problem moving him up um, to that line. So, um, yeah, all in all, 5-2, good win for the Flames. Um, the bigger win, I think, though, was the Vegas win, 6 uh, nothing. Everybody's like, oh, Stone didn't play. There's no Eichel. Well, first of all, I don't even count Eichel as being part of that team because he's not. he hasn't done anything to be like, oh, Jack Eichel's a huge cog for the Vegas Golden Knights. Stone out, sure, hurts. But, Matty, everybody that's Vegas' stars that were on that team, played. they, they just played like garbage that night, and the Flames took it to them. Yeah, the Vegas looked awful in that game. Um, but I... I on the flip side, I think the Flames did pretty much exactly what they were supposed to. I think that was a pretty well-executed game on their part. Um, so it's not just like beating up on a team that just looks like trash on a given night. You know, I, I would say that was a good game as well. Yeah, 100%. And Gordy, like Daryl Sutter has been talking about Vegas all season long is that's the team to beat. That's the team to take down. Um, and the Flames did it. So you got to think that might be their signature win on the season. Yeah, potentially. And and like you brought up the disqualifiers for that win, like it, it really sounds like potentially we wouldn't see Jack Eichel or Mark Stone at the same time any point for the remainder of the season. There's talks of shutting Stone down to activate Eichel. So, you know, until the playoffs, you might not even have to worry about playing both those guys at the same time. And I think that's a fair thing to say. I At this point, standings aside, Vegas is probably the most complete hockey team in the Pacific division. And it was a slaughtering it. The flames looked really good. The, I think that game probably can stand as the second half awakening that Michael Backlund has every single year, because he's looked phenomenal these past few games and four points was outstanding at all in all. It was a really good game against Vegas. Yeah. Backlund coming out has been like, uh, it's been, it's been nice to see last night. He played really well. He's all over the ice. He had some, he has a couple of nice hits last night too. Michael, we go, the flames are now the the hottest team in the NHL. They shut down Toronto last night. Who'd won six in a row. The flames now have won five in a row in that five game winning streak. They've outscored everybody 24 to four. Um, Clearly that's not going to hold up over the long haul, but after having all that time off, pretty good way to start this long homestand they have coming up. Right. Well, yeah, these are the two toughest opponents by far on the homestand. So to see them go back to back too, especially the Leafs, like I don't think last night's like shots against were totally unexpected because they were going to be tired. They were playing a very good Leafs team who's been arguably the best team in the league, I would say, over the last two or three weeks. I know Colorado's been up there. He's been other few teams, but the Leafs have just been an absolute wagon lately. So to kind of get that win was huge Um, against Vegas. I just thought the big thing was that, again, the Flames started well, but they actually were able to score. They got the two goals in, and then they finally got that third knockout goal, which was something they've kind of missed at certain points in the year where they've had good starts. They've gotten up 2 nothing, but haven't got that third one, and teams have jumped back in. 
So see them do that. They get up three nothing after the first, and then Vegas gets some chances in the second early. Markstrom comes up big, makes some saves, and then the Manjapani gets one more four nothing. At that point, it's pretty much done. So just to see them kind of solidly put a very good team away like that really helps you buy more into this team. And then, yeah, they've got five more home games here. And I think it's something like 20 home games in 50 days starting on from Wednesday. So like, they're going to have a good chance to, I don't think it's crazy to think they could win the division. And at this point, if they kind of can play this on a fairly consistent basis, like it could be fairly handily because Vegas has kind of been off and on almost all year long. Obviously Eichel will come back and get them better, but I still think it's not a huge stretch for the Flames to win the division this year. No, and they're only three points out behind Vegas right now. Um, they jumped over both California or two of the three California teams last night in Anaheim and LA. So they're now in second place. They're back in a playoff position. No more wild cards. So they're they're handling their business like Daryl Sutter wants. Um, so yeah, this and this homestand. Andrew Mangiapane is putting the puck in the net at home, which is a welcome sight to see. Maddie, secondary scoring seems like it's starting to ramp up for the longest time as Michael and I would talk about it was Gaudreau and Kachuk show. That's all it was, was those two guys scoring everything. Now Mangiapane scoring at home. Lindholm starting to heat back up. Uh, Tanev's getting points. Uh, Hannafin had, what, a three-point night last night? Uh, Shillington scored. Uh, Anderson scored at a beautiful wrist shot where he picked the corner through a screen. The Flames are getting goals from other people, so this is good, right? Yeah, and it's um feels like it's coming in at just uh just the right time. I mean, obviously there's no point where you don't want secondary scoring, yeah. but uh if you're going to have a cold streak at any point, uh you would probably want it to be towards the beginning of the season. So, uh to see some of the the guys down in the lineup heating up a bit is definitely good. Um I think it helps them too heading into the trade deadline. It's maybe giving them a better idea of kind of where they're at or where they could be at. So um, all for it. Good stuff. Yeah, no, and that's a great point too about coming into the trade deadline. Cause if guys like Backlund and Manjapani keep scoring, um, if you get what you can from Monahan and Coleman, I'm cool with that. Um, we always joke, I don't know if Dylan Dubé is ever going to find the back of the net in Calgary, at least again. Um, he's just been, that guy just can't, it's just not there for him. But if you can get some of your defensemen scoring too, because Sutter said that, he's like, you know, it's you need your defensemen to start stepping up and scoring, and we've started to see that, so that's good. It doesn't make you as desperate at the trade deadline, um, which is something we'll talk about later. But um, coming out of this break, Gordy, the Flames always seem to go into Long breaks, hot, and then come out and fall right apart. Uh, good sign right now, right? Uh, outscoring their opponents 11-2 to and two big wins. A good homestand coming up. You know, they'll be well-rested, even though they have a lot of games. They're not traveling a ton because they're, they're at home. Um, it's weird, right, to see Calgary come out of a prolonged break being the hottest team in the league? Yeah, this is usually the time of year where they start to undo some of the good work they put in early. But, I mean, this is the first year where they've had Daryl Sutter, and he's clearly got a stranglehold on this team and yeah they've they've just looked really engaged they didn't come out that fast I thought against Toronto like Mike said but again like it's a back-to-back against a superb team and they did come out f- flying against Vegas so I mean it, it's a it's a good signs but you know you got to make the playoffs at this point and you got to just keep it going stay healthy which I think is a topic of Markstrom that needs to be discussed more with how he's being ridden. But other than that, yeah, I really like what I see from them. Gordy just climbs into my head because that's exactly where I was going next is in the post game last night. Uh, there was some talk of like, you know, Vladar has to play it. Peter Lubarius was like basically 
of a paraphrasing. I don't care how many games Markstrom plays. You have to get that playoff spot before you can be like, ah, we'll give him some days off. Uh, Michael, we all know Sutter does this. Kiprasov had that year where he played 70 games, right? It, that under Sutter. Sutter rides his star goalie as much as he can. Markstrom has a history of breaking down, though, at times and sometimes loses mental focus. Should we be seeing Dan Vladar? And not only for that, Vladar needs to get reps if he's going to be any good and help the team. Yeah, I think it's one of those things where, like, last or these last two games, I don't really blame Sutter as much for starting Markstrom just because it was Vegas and Toronto, like, two of the top 10 teams in the league. So, like, sure, you want to start your star goalie both times there, but like, there was really no excuse for him not to start Vladara in like the Arizona game before the break. Um, Maybe even this Saturday, but definitely one of Tuesday or Wednesday next week against the Blue Jackets or Ducks. Like those are both teams you should beat regardless of who's in net. And especially Vladar has been fine this year too. So I think you've got to get him in just because like Gordy said, like we've all kind of seen like Markstrom does have the tendency to break down with re- repeated starts. Like the all-star break obviously helped a bit, but I, I really disagree with like uh, Peter Luvarius' thing about like you have to make the playoffs before you can play your backup. Like, that's just that's not a thing in the NHL anymore. Like you need to have a backup goalie that can play twenty to thirty games, whether you're a good team or a bad team. And Vladar has been, like I said, he's been fine this year. The only games he struggled were against Tampa and Carolina on the road on back to backs, where the Flames also didn't play well. So like, I don't get this sudden aversion to playing him, and we need to see him soon. Otherwise, I think we risk going down the same road Markster went last year. He makes kind of a questionable play, gets hurt, and then the team's really screwed because then you got Vladar and Dustin Wolf, who's great as a rookie. But that's a, that's a lot to leave it up to two guys that have played probably 20 NHL games between the two of them, not even. so. Yeah, and it's not like Vladar's a bad backup. It's not like they're sitting like I think we mentioned last time. It's not like it's they've got uh, Jonas Hiller or... You know, some of the, the goalies the Flames have had in the past, like uh, Yanni Ortio sitting there in the backup spot where you're like, God, we don't want to see any of these guys play. Vladar's been good, and his two back-to-back losses were against two of the best teams in the league. So you can't you can't really do that. Uh, Matty, uh, are you in agreement here, too? Vladar has to get out there at some point. There's talk that Markstrom's going to play again against the um, the Islanders this week and finish out the week. I just It seems like you got some time off. Let the guy rest. He's been playing fine. It's I mean... Yeah, he's got he's got two shutouts and he's been amazing. But let 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 you know in his last like five starts, let Ladar get some reps. He has to. Yeah, I I just really don't think you're doing anybody any good at this point. Like it it feels pretty short sighted. Um, like I I really don't understand it. Gordy, you you in agreement here, Ladar? We need to see him. I would say in the next three games, he's got to play once, right? It, well, it's like specifically on these back-to-backs, it's getting to the point where like the Flames are in a good enough spot where I'd rather them go almost fi- like 50-50 on these back-to-backs if it means putting Vladar in against a strong team or something rather than risking Markstrom on back-to-backs as a 30-plus-year-old goaltender and losing him for an extended period because it's just it's just not something they can do. They can't ride two rookie goaltenders for a couple months to try to finish out the season so like if you have to take a loss here and there to get your goalie some rest I I don't understand why Sutter seems to think these low shot games for Markstrom are somehow a bad thing and he needs to start right away like that's a blessing if you can put in your starting goalie and he has to exert a minimum amount of energy to get a shutout or get a win and get out of the night like that's not a sign that he needs to be played again in 
ridden like a workhorse and he has to be bone tired at the end of these games for him to deserve a rest like it's totally fine to have a 15 save night and get a night off the next time like it's 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 kind of bizarre at this point I, I swear to God, it's like we're joined at the head today. I was thinking the same thing. I was like, you di- like if your goalie sees, le- I don't care what goalie says, oh, I'm better when I face 50 shots. No, you're not. Nobody, nobody wants to see 50 shots. As someone who coaches the sport with a goalie in it, I always tell, if my goalie sees zero shots, it's the best game possible. It's not because I don't trust you. It's because I don't want you to have a heavy workload. Like I, If Markstrom sees 23 shots in every game for the rest of the season, have at it. It's awesome. Like Goalie workload, you shouldn't be like, oh, I was really good he saw 46 shots tonight and even at the end of the game they asked um they asked Sutter about it and he's like yeah I thought the goalie was good <laughs> he's like he's so up and down in his praise of players it's ridiculous like he's like yeah and then we'll transition it to Nikita Zadorov they asked him if that hit was a game changer he's like no not really <laughs> and then he moved on from it it was like I'm like you kidding me Zadorov absolutely just exploded somebody last night uh your thoughts guys on the Zadorov hit I've watched it 150 times Mainly once because I was just like, oh my god, that was amazing, and then two because it was like the Kennedy assassination. This is a Pruder film. I broke it down like frame by frame, trying to figure it out. I didn't see him leave his feet. His arms were tucked in when he made the hit. He's about seven feet taller than the player he ran through. Um, the pass was bad. The head was down. It was it violent? A hundred percent. Is it finable and suspendable? I don't think so. Maddie looks like she's got an opinion. Go for it. It's it's really tough for me, I will say, just knowing that Kasha has a pretty serious concussion history. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard for, like, for me to separate that out. Um, obviously, Zadorov is not weighing that context in his brain while he's lining up to make that hit. Um, I, I didn't love it. I think if you see a player in kind of a vulnerable position like that, it is um, incumbent on the player about to deliver the hit uh, to just like pull up a little bit and maybe not finish that check. Um, I know it happens so quickly, but uh, I, I don't love it. Is it because Michael, I'm the head of the Nikita Zadorov fan club that I'm okay with it? Or what are your thoughts on the hit? And Maddie, your points are totally valid. I totally get it. The league doesn't want, you know, the headshots and the contact made to the head. It looked like the initial contact was chest, but like the head, it's almost like Kashi sort of pulled his head down as he was coming into the hit. Uh, your thoughts, Michael. Um, I, it's, I think Maddie raises a lot of good points here that it is a, is a play where head contact is made. It's, it's kind of a tough position for Zadorov to be as a NHL defender, where if he doesn't make that hit, Kasha is like a pretty fast player. Like he, if he doesn't make that hit and Kasha chips it around him, then he looks really bad and the team gets mad at him either way. So like, it's, I, I don't know. I think the one thing I saw was a lot of people saying like the puck had gone through, like it had already passed, but like that's. If you watch it live speed, like he touched the puck, it was off his stick, like, and Zadorov's right there on him. I don't think it was like Zadorov's skating up 10 strides to make the hit. Like, he was in the no. position you're supposed to be as that defender. And the size difference, like you said, will play a factor. And I think it's it's really too bad that it, it did get as much head contact as it did. But I don't think Zadorov went out to say, I'm going to hit this guy in the head either. It's one of those plays that if you're in a league where there's going to be big hits and hitting, like there is going to be head contact, unfortunately. And I, f- I feel really bad for Kasha because he ha- has had a number of big concussions like this. So hopefully he won't be out too long, but I, at the same time, I don't think Zadorov can do anything besides make that play. And when that's his bread and butter, he's going to have to make it nine times out of 10 or he's quickly out of a job in this league, unfortunately. 
And you do bring up a good point to a player as fast as him. If he gets around Zadorov, it's like, oh, what did he do? He's a pylon. He stands there. He does nothing. He can't win in that scenario. Uh, Leafs fans are absolutely like, not quite to the point of Montreal wanting Zidane Chara arrested and charged with a crime. But uh, Leafs fans are not exactly thrilled with Zadorov. And I get it. I'm sure if somebody ran Johnny Gaudreau over, we wouldn't be thrilled with that play happening either. Uh, Gordy, your thoughts on it? Um, Michael brings up a good point. You didn't see Zadorov skate from the bench to the other boards with his eyes the size of, you know, soccer balls being like, I'm going to kill this guy and take him out. Um, again, I saw hands in and he hit him. What, what are your thoughts? To me, it's about as clean of a hit as you can lay in the NHL. But on the flip side of that, it kind of raises the point that like hitting in this, this physicality of hockey is probably not going to always survive the way it currently is because like it's a clean hit, but it still results in head contact as the secondary target and a head injury so like it's really unfortunate and you know kasha like you guys have said with his concussion history you never want to see that but i mean i am not really sure what else Zadorov is supposed to do in that situation he's not leaving his feet he separates the player from the puck and he gets chased down and you know fought over it which i don't know why riley's getting so much support for that he got wrestled to the ice by two flames and that was it he didn't exactly do a whole lot of sticking up as these Leafs flames or Leafs fans seem to be claiming. Yeah, the big thing was like, oh, good on Riley. He went after Zadorov. I'm like, he got ragdolled <laughs> and thrown to the ice. Like, he didn't do anything. And then the other one that people are giving Zadorov a hard time for is his, and it's probably, actually, it's Leafs fans. It's not even Flames fans. They're all over him for his handling of TJ Brody, where they're like, look, and he's shoving a guy down on the ice. And I was like, if you watch three seconds before, Brody was trying to climb up his back to get at him. It was hysterical. He was like jumping. He's like, hey, hey. Hey, like trying to get at him. And Sidorov just grabs him and flings him to the ice and holds him down. He's like, it's basically it's like, stay down. Stay down. Don't get up. Um, I thought he was really engaged last night. Um, I thought he played well. He and Goodbranson have been playing really well. I mean, there was a play at one point where I don't I forget who the Leafs player was. He was down in the crease and he jumped up to say something and he looked and he had Goodbranson on his left and Zadorov on his right. And he was like, Move that. Just skated out. Uh the Flames bottom pairing now. Once again, we're we're back on the top of the roller coaster, right, Maddie? They're being very serviceable again and doing what they're supposed to do. Yeah, I, I feel like I'm just sitting here waiting for the wheels to come off again. Uh, it's fine now, but I, I don't know that I would say I feel good about it. Yeah, that 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 could possibly get exposed in a, a a playoff series at some point. But as of now, I you know there's not a lot to complain about uh, in the world of the Flames. Um, if Zadorov does get a game or two for his hit, which I, I don't, there was no penalty on it. I don't know if they're going to add anything to it. Um, Michael Stone, or are we going to, are they going to bring somebody up from uh, Stockton, Michael? Um, I, I imagine they just plug in Stone. I think they still know what they have with him. Um, I, I, I just don't see any way the NHL, like, I think we probably would have heard something by now in the day if he was going to get any kind of extra discipline, but it, it really seems like it, He's not going to get that, so I, I don't think it's too much of an issue. And if they, if he, if he happened to be out, I think you go Michael Stone all day and just kind of roll with it for a couple games. Yeah, just blow the cobwebs off him, wake him up, shake, him, be like, "Hey, buddy, we need you right now. We need you to hop in." Um, yeah. Otherwise, Flames uh, start their home standoff, uh, beating the Vegas Golden Knights and the Toronto Maple Leafs by scores of six nothing and five to two. I guess real quickly before we hit the break, Jacob Markstrom is he going to get Kiprasov's record? Is he going to tie it at least this season? I mean, the way Sutter's putting him out there, he's probably going to have thirty games to do it. Maddie, can he get two more shutouts this season and tie the record? Sure. 
<laughs> Michael? Uh, yeah, uh, I was just going to say, like, could he get it before the end of the homestand here? Like, even tied? Like, I'm just thinking, like, you got the Islanders on Saturday who can't score except the other day against Vancouver and the Flames who defend well. And then, like, you've got Seattle who's been very not good. Like, Columbus isn't great. Like, the Jets have been struggling. Like, I don't think it's crazy to think he gets it by uh, by the time they finish up this homestand on the 21st. Gordy, are they just going to start Markstrom until he breaks the record? Is that what it is now? <laughs> yeah, it must be because uh, Sutter Sutter got it for Kiprits off in the first place, so he's out to prove that it, it it's his shutout record. <laughs> That's true. At the end of the day, he'll have 20 shutouts between two goalies or 21 and an NHL record. All right, we're going to take a quick break here on the Tinderbox. When we come back, we're going to talk about uh, Tyler Toffoli. Is he potentially the name that is super, super attached to the Flames when it comes to the trade deadline? We're going to talk about a... Uh, Boston Bruin, who uh, is remorseful for his actions, but clearly was not thinking straight when he took care of them. And uh, we're going to look at the team up the road in Edmonton that's just kind of not having a good season right now. We will talk about all that when we come back on the Tinderbox. And welcome back to the Tinderbox. We are the podcast for Matchsticks and Gasoline, the Calgary Flames website for SB Nation. Mark, Matty, Michael Gordy here today. Um, Tyler Toffoli, former Daryl Sutter player with the Kings, currently a member of the Montreal Canadiens, who have they have eight wins. Jacob Markstrom has eight shutouts. So not a good season for Montreal. Uh, coach just fired the other day. Toffoli financially could probably fit with the Flames. Is uh, a Sutter fit. Michael, uh, is Tyler Toffoli the guy the Flames should be bringing in? His name just keeps coming up and keeps coming up. I think the fit is just, it just fits so well. Like just where he would kind of slot in the lineup. Even if you kept the top two lines as it is, just throw him on the right wing with like a Dubé and Monaghan. And just let him kind of focus on being like a scorer on the power play, maybe chipping in a few there. Like, it, it just seems to make sense across the board. His contract isn't crazy. He's got a couple of years left. He would fit in kind of into that mold well. Sutter knows him. Like, it just, everything kind of seems to be there for it, along with the Flames. I think they originally wanted him when he went to Vancouver a couple of years ago. So, like, it's it makes a lot of sense, and I think I'd be in for it. There's some other names out there, too, that are interesting. But just in terms of, like, a fit that seems, like, made in the cards, like, it's got to be him. Gordy, uh, compensation is what it is. People have mentioned that, you know, not just people like talking heads that know what they're talking about, unlike me, um, have brought up the fact that like, you know, first round pick and a prospect for it to fully because he's not a rental. It would be this season and next season. Would you be okay with something like that? Because Michael and I talked last week about how they're just the way, the way the Flames are playing right now, defensively coach forwards and goalie. I think you have to go all in at the trade deadline this year. Yeah, I do as well. I'm I'm a little more apprehensive of acquiring somebody with term just because I think locking up their own players has to be Calgary's biggest target this summer. And not, I'm not sure what Toffoli makes. I assume it's in like the four million range. Yeah, it's but, like four and a half, I believe. Yeah. So anything like that, you're just, you know, you're making it a little harder on yourself to sign three significant forwards and a defenseman this summer. Toffoli isn't my number one choice. I see how, you know, solid the reports are that he's coming here so it's not too good to just outright deny him there's a lot of targets out there there's a lot of bad teams a first and a prospect for Toffoli is pretty expensive he did have that really good season with bank or end of season when he when he went there after LA but it, it would it would be a huge thing I think to see which prospect they would attach to that I don't think at that point it could be Peltier area i think it would have to be like heineman or stromgren or someone kind of farther down 
not my favorite, but like like you said, he's a Sutter Sutter um, student. He's Monahan's line mate from junior. There's a lot of good fits. Right hand shot, shoots the puck. So I'm I'm not totally opposed to it, but I mean that's another four point five million you don't have to work with this summer if if that deal goes through. Yeah, that makes sense because you got to re up Gaudreau, you got to re up Kachuk, Shillington, and Majapani. Uh, Maddie, how about All Star MVP Claude Giroux? <laughs> I would love it. I mean, I'm not sure. Yeah, I just think it's the same thing, like what the the price would be. I mean, for a rental, that seems more, I don't know. I'm, I'm more in favor of trading for a rental, but um, we were hearing when he was connected to uh, Colorado, in these rumors they were saying like a first and like an a prospect was the ask and if i'm the flames i don't know that i would do that so i don't hate the fit but again it's like it's coming down to the ask yeah it's a it's a lot if you have to give up a first and a top level prospect for a rental and again i to fully the money is okay but you're going to have to move somebody's money out as well to make it work everybody's oh we should trade dubay and it's like well yeah dubay's not going to get you a top player though because dubay's not doing dubay might be a throw-in in a trade but it's not like you're going to start with dubay and go from there because if you do that then you're doing what the flames normally do you're bringing in a you know a 10th forward or a, a eighth defenseman somebody who's playing bottom six minutes that doesn't do you any good so i i don't know we'll we'll see what happens but we all know how this works bradshaw living sort of kicks the tire stubs his toe and then they move on with life so it's it's just kind of how things flames are always the bridesmaid never the bride when it comes to these things so um brad marshan um switching topics going to the boston bruins uh six game suspension for his uh interactions with tristan chari the other night and a loss to the pittsburgh penguins if you haven't seen it by now um marshan gotten us some small little scrum first off, the fact that jari wanted to give a fan the puck and marshan knocked the puck off his stick and was like <laughs> not in my house was hysteric. like that i thought was funny that's like marshan like do it like because he's been like doing some good things like a kid asked him to take his picture like a couple weeks ago with his cell phone and like marshan took the kid's phone at the garden and like shot a video on it walked him into the dressing room or whatever and then gave the kid his phone back like it was cute it was fun or whatever but like then he goes by and he sucker punches Jari in the head. And then on his way off, he puts his stick in his throat. He gets six games, repeat offender. I guess it's what? It was automatically five anyway because he had the meeting. Uh, uh, Maddie, what are your thoughts on uh, Brad Marchand's uh, little inter- inter- little interactions? Uh, don't like it. Uh, I have several <laughs> thoughts. I saw, I can't remember who tweeted it, but I saw something last night that was like, if he gets more than four or five games, it's they're unfairly weighing his history i'm like well that's that's the point like that's what player safety does like there is precedent here for nonsense and bad things so um i i'm fine with the suspension i don't i don't think he should have gotten the chance to give that second shot i wish the uh the officials had gotten more involved there um just overall like i i don't need it well maddie you bring up a great point about letting him get the second shot coming through uh Michael, the Penguins did nothing. Sidney Crosby hugged him. Like, literally gave him a hug and was talking to him. Like, like if somebody, say that was Markstrom. We saw it last night, like what happened to TJ Brody when he kind of got near Markstrom. He ended up in the crease with an eight-foot-nine Russian on top of him. Like, if that had happened to Markstrom, what would Kachuk have done if he was on the ice? The Penguins did nothing. 
Well, I mean, like, last night, uh, Bunting kind of got pushed into Markstrom, and then he got killed by, like, four guys, including Markstrom <laughs> himself. So, like, I'm shocked that there was a bit more pushback from Pittsburgh. I think, like, Latang tried to get through to him, but there was already a wall of Bruins and refs between the two of them. So, like, I, I-, I think if somebody had done that to Markstrom, we, in- including Markstrom himself, because he's fiery, he would have probably thrown as many shots as any Flames player. Um the one thing with this suspension that, like, I don't really like that Marchand's taking the... He came out today and basically said, like, yes, like, it was kind of a dumb play, but, like, they weren't going to injure him. It's, like, it was just, they, like, he was well-protected. I'm, like, that's kind of the idea of this suspension is that, like, this time it didn't hurt a goalie that you sucker punch and then hit in the head with a stick. But, like, if they don't suspend you or give you a short one this time, then another player is going to do the same thing, thinking it's okay, and then maybe that time the goalie gets hurt. Like, it's just... I think that's the reason it's such a heavy suspension along with this history is that it's one of those plays that they can't have like any tolerance for. It's not just like a hit or something where like they're going to happen. It's a, it's a play where like maybe this time nobody got hurt, but like maybe next time somebody punches him a little harder and then he gets a concussion. Like it's just one they can't have happen at all. So I think that's why it seems a little bit heavy. Gordy, your thoughts. Uh, Marshan came out today and he also said that it was childish. I'm really sorry. <laughs> <laughs> like, okay, <laughs> that really doesn't mean anything. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's not like he threw a haymaker, right? And like, can I, but he sucker punched a goalie and then put his stick in his throat. I, 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 no boy, no for the league, right? Yeah, and to kind of tie this into the flames, like I, I just want to give full credit to Matthew Kachuk this year because it really feels like he's dropped that kind of childish aspect of his game completely like completely. And I honestly think it's because he's starting to smell the captaincy and leadership role and he realizes where his career is going. But I mean, Marshan's in his thirties now and he's still doing that stuff. And it's got to be frustrating as a Bruins fan because, you know, six games is not a light suspension. Um, and yeah, to bring up the the running over Markstrom thing, like the, the way you know he's getting fatigued is when Liljegren ran him over earlier in the game. Like he started to chase him towards the blue line, I think, which is just that play should have been a penalty. I think Liljegren just kind of ran him over. He didn't get pushed in that time. So if Leafs fans are upset about the bunting beating, it can probably be initially traced back to that. But yeah, seriously, like Matthew Kachuk, I haven't seen him do one, you know, punch from the bench, stupid play where it's not even like, uh, you know, a disrupting play. It's just, it's just a stupidity thing, you know, like chopping a goalie in the head and punching him after the play. And yeah, I, I don't know why Marshan. I hearing the quote um, from him saying he couldn't get hurt. I fully understand why he licked people now because he thinks he he's just trying to do stuff short of injuring people. It's <laughs> gross and bad, but. <laughs> Apparently, the line in his head is if it's short of injury, it's okay. I can't wait for him to jump on top of somebody and hump them on the ice because it's not going <laughs> to injure them, right? Something ridiculous <laughs> like that. But yeah, Bruins fans are pretty upset about it. But it's like, I think the main reason Bruins fans should be upset is the Bruins aren't exactly playing well, and one of their best players is now out. Uh, they brought back their all world goalie only to have him retire on them immediately. Like, it's just a, it's just a hot mess in Boston right now, which it's kind of fun to watch the. Bruins fans melt down a little bit up here. It's 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 kind of cute in its own right. Um, so yeah, not and I I agree with Yunka Chuck. The craziest thing he's done this year is try to stop that puck coming into the stands with a stick from the bench. So it's nice to see Chuck, you know, Kachuk doing Kachuk things, but not to the full Kachuk level. Um, speaking on full on things, uh, full on meltdown up the road in Edmonton. Uh, Dave Tippett is out. Uh, McDavid is angry. Drysidles angry. Drysidles 
hitting people in the twig and berries between their legs with a stick during games. They're losing. It's a, it's a tire fire up there. Um, as my favorite expression is they are a bus on fire with no brakes headed toward a gas station filled with babies. Uh, Maddie Edmonton was, I think when we did this preseason podcast, we said that Edmonton was probably the team that was going to take the division because they were that good. Uh, whoopsies. Yeah. I don't know. I just, they they definitely always get a boost because of McDavid and Dreisaitl, but I, I never can fully trust the Oilers because I just, they get into this cycle of overpaying for like marginal players because they think that they're better than they are. Um, and then when they fall off, the wheels come off and that's just happening spectacularly right now. So I know everybody's really upset right now, but I don't know how you could be upset with anybody but management for putting like just not a very good team together. Yeah, when Mike Smith's on his belly laying down five, six times a game, that's never good. <laughs> we know that. Uh, Michael, uh, you know, you mentioned the other day, Dreisaitl and McDavid, the Oilers might be wasting the careers of two of the best players to arguably suit up in, uh, you know, offensively in NHL history. Uh, at what point do they start being like rattling the cages? Like, get me the hell out of here. You know, I, I can't imagine they're not already thinking that. I doubt they're going to go to it like publicly or even out to management with it. Yeah, but you, that's got, they're humans. It's got to be in their head. Um, I just think with this coaching change, like it's just another, just throw a dart at it and see what happens. Like I always get kind of worried when the Oilers make a change because it seems like, is this finally going to be the one that they figure it out? But then you just remember there's so much perpetual like rot in that organization that like <laughs> cutting off one branch is not going to fix everything. Like, it's just, like, even from ownership to, like, Nicholson to Holland, like, there's just so much wrong within that franchise that, like, one or two changes aren't going to do anything to it. So that's how I'm kind of, like, feel relieved about it. But as a hockey fan, it sucks to see, like, arguably the best two players in the game on a team that's just nothing ever goes right for. By the way, Michael, I'm taking perpetually rot when I start my death metal band as its name. Okay. <laughs> I own that right now. Uh, Gordy, um, are you that upset that the Oilers are uh, completely just burst into flames at this point? Not at all. And in fact, I want to see one of these like massive mover shows where they cut Rogers arena at the foundations and bring it down the QE2 on the back of some trucks and just leave it in Calgary. It's, it's, it's all bad up there. Perpetually rotten is a, is a perfect term to describe. Uh, As we close down here in the final couple minutes of this podcast, Michael, uh, you posted the picture last night, 50% full question mark. The dome looked a little more than 50%. Did it not last night? (laughs) Yeah. I, I, I guess some people were saying that like there was a lot of freedom just to move around last night, which kind of defeats the whole purpose of like half capacity so we can distance. Like the game I went to, everyone was very spaced. You could tell there was some kind of like thought with their ticketing. It sounds like last night, because they just like in Alberta, they just changed all the restrictions on, uh, I think it was Tuesday night. Yeah. You can just tell that like nobody cares anymore. And like it looked like, like people were saying like everyone kind of just moved around, filled seats, moved lower, lower bowl or middle bowl. Like it's, I don't know. I'm at the point where it's it's not my department to really care anymore. So whatever. It looked fun. Like it looked like things were back to normal here, which was kind of nice too. Maybe they're just moving with the puck every time the puck goes to one end. Everybody moves inside. My favorite part of that whole picture though is the guy who's my spirit animal, the lone guy in the middle in a Dallas Stars jersey at a Flames Leafs game. It was awesome. Like that would totally I've gone to a Bruins game where they played like the Panthers and sat there in a Flames jersey. So uh, that guy. Kudos to him. Um, anybody got anything else they want to add? By the way, Gordy, I thought of you all night long. There were a ton of close-ups of Flames players in their helmets, and I was like, Gordy must be just <laughs> like, white-knuckling everything in his house right now. 
No, my other my other passion, which is John Gillies, he uh, he got an assist last night to give him infinitesimal more points this season than Brett Ritchie. So I'll just put that out there. That's twenty three games and zero points for Mister Ritchie. Do you think, Gordy? Do you think he drove his car out afterwards to celebrate by himself? He's he's got to be flying his own like miniature plane behind the team at this point. Like, there's no way they let him on the flight. He's like Bruce Dickinson of Iron Maiden. He's got his he's got his uh, pilot's license, so he flies the jet wherever he goes. Um, anybody got anything else they want to add before we get out of here? I like this. We're gonna do we gotta do Gordy's corner. It's Chin Scrap and John Gilly's update every time we do a Tinderbox. Anybody got anything else before we head out? Uh, U.S. and Canada, the uh, Olympic hockey tonight. Go USA, I guess. Yeah, someone someone tweeted a joke tweet today that said seven nothing USA. They shouldn't be allowed in the Olympics, and people lost their mind. And someone's like, clearly you missed the joke. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, if you enjoyed this podcast, you can find us on Spotify, Google Podcast, iTunes, and Amazon Music. Just search up Matchsticks and Gasoline, and you will find this and past episodes of the Tinderbox, Mark and Michael's Musings, and Behind Enemy Lines. Flames and Islanders Saturday night. Uh, nothing today. We'll see if the winning streak continues and the Flames continue to be the hottest team in the league. Thank you all for listening, and we will catch you next time on the Tinderbox.